thank you for joining us on our podcast about wealth and money. Finance with Mark and Jacob. Where we give you ideas on how to spend your money from our wealth of experience. That's right. We have no wealth, but we have a wealth of advice. It's true. It's true. Well, today on New Polities Podcast, we're talking about the virtue of magnificence. Now, this is super important. Just to give us some background, we've been making the argument that what our society lacks when it comes to money is its memory that the Christian tradition has given them virtues with which to deal with money, that there are specific powers of the soul that, if perfected, would mean that people spend, use um, their money in such a way as to create a just and verdant society, um, but that we don't. Instead, we look to systems mm-hmm. to deal with our money for us. So we assume that money is a matter of, uh, that money, money's distribution is something that happens through tax, it happens through the market, um, but it certainly doesn't happen through people becoming holy. So yep. we're here to kind of blast that out of the water and say, look, if you don't become holy with your money, you're going to create a yeah, crooked society with crooked people in it. Ain't it always the way? It's usually it, it, usually the way, about 87% of the yeah. time the way. <laughs> and, and But we get so fixated on this idea that, and this is, this is classical, this is a classic liberalism. I was going to say it's classical, but that, that can be confusing. It's classic liberalism, right? To say like, okay, we can have people that are just like human butts, just walking around without any virtue in their souls. But through our genius mechanism, they will produce a peaceful society. I know. You know? It's How? crazy. Uh, yeah. You got to kill somebody. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really does come down to this idea that we we don't want to be mastered by anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, don't don't give us a king. We'll have yep. a constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, don't give us, you know, a, a lord, a feudal lord. You know, give us a blind market, mm-hmm. you know. And, it, and that's just wrong. I mean, God gave us, the land gave us responsibility to be real stewards. And when we hear that Christian finance lingo all the time of being a good steward with what you have, we often think that that means, you know, conformity to the systems at at hand. Right, yeah. Or even just save for retirement. Totally. Or, Or usually it means, you know, I've been given some money. So therefore, you know, to honor God, I must preserve it. Yeah. Instead of spending it really, really well which is what he wants us to do. Yeah. Spend that money. Get that bread and then spend that bread. Well, I guess eat that bread as the metaphor would go. Share that bread. I should have Break shaved that bread. I should have shaved today. <laughs> I'm recognizing this as I sit on here for the for the video. Yeah. Yeah, you look horrible. You're at that beautiful stage where you haven't <laughs> shaved but you've done it long enough that it looks intentional whereas <laughs> I just haven't shaved. But for the people listening on the podcast, we are two good-looking, wealthy individuals here to tell you about the virtue of... Magnificence. That's right. So, take it away, Jacob. Well, magnificence is... We talked about liberality, which is this virtue that bespeaks a nobleman, mm-hmm. as, it, as it were, or at least somebody that has a soul of a nobleman. You can have any amount of wealth, everything from a, from a dollar to a million, yeah. to be able to be a liberal man. And the point, and the point is, within liberality, you're not worried. You're, you ain't you, worried. You You're... are habituated to making gifts. Noblemen so... aren't worried. They give gifts. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what liberality is. It's that freedom. But also there's a there's a precision in it, knowing, being able to discern well um, what where there's a need and then being able to give freely yeah. when, when, when you find it. Whereas magnificence is actually a virtue that only wealthy people can ever 
half. This one's for you, big boys. <laughs> yeah, if you got a cabbage in your pocket, this one is for you. <laughs> is that a, is that a saying? I don't know. Is that like a West Coast? I thing? just I just made it up. I'm gonna yeah. declare that a West Coast thing because it sounds lame, <laughs> like the West Coast. <laughs> Well, we definitely call money cabbage, <laughs> which I like quite a bit, actually. It's that green, you know? Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, there, Nutritious. There is a red cabbage. But let's, so it's oh, only it's for true. rich people. It's only for rich people. And, or rather, people who find themselves in the dubious condition of being rich. Right. Yeah. And for them, we're sorry. <laughs> but you've got work to do. <laughs> yeah. theirs is a big burden. It's like you just take, imagine that your wealth was actually just all in metals. And then all that metal was on your back. Mm. And now your back's hurting. Mm. That's that's really the state of your soul if you're a wealthy person. And that was a weird analogy. No, I, I really I think like it works. that. Cause, yeah. Because I think something about the, especially when you get to like credit, to debts, to, to things mm -hmm. that literally have no physical presence. Yeah. Right? They're, they're just obligation ideas. on others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things it's it's like a it's like a it's a lack of a sacrament almost like there's a lack of a physical instantiation of the thing um, which allows you to not necessarily feel like you have it mm -hmm. i mean i think about this when i think about the wealthy all the time that they feel obligated to act like they are everybody else i mean this is like they talk yeah. this way like it's so important especially within america maybe it's just our democratic sort of yearnings or something but they they find it so important to deny that they have any specific role in society, that they have any specific virtue guiding them. Totally. They're like, oh, you know, I'm just like everyone else, which is it's bullshit. Because the thing is, what it allows them to do is then preach this idea that everyone can have as much money as them. Mm. I mean, right? Because that's the kind of dark side of it. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I'm just a normal guy, you know, worked hard, did the right thing, yeah. ended up with $10 billion. <laughs> and it's like what they're trying to do is obviously get rid of any obligation of any right. sense of like, oh, I have a huge duty imposed on me, that money on my back. Right, right. right. But then the flip side of that is, so all of you poor people who are also just normal guys that work hard, it's your fault that you don't have $10 billion. No, I think that's like, exactly right. Oh my gosh, it makes me want to jump out of a window. I know, it's it, it really does seem to be this idea that there is a level playing field right. that everybody is given and that there's no difference of skill ingenuity or in a sense like drive for wealth yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that comes from it because you don't get wealthy if you don't want to be wealthy sure. you know and if you really really want to get wealthy and my mom always made this joke because we lived in you know not too far about you know 20 minutes away from bill gates and jeff bezos you know where, where i grew up and we always made this joke that you can never tell a difference between a beggar and a millionaire in the Redmond area and in, in Seattle area because they both were wearing ripped jeans. <laughs> so they're really, but there is, you know, something that we can level against the nouveau riche who just have no idea how to be wealthy. They yeah. just have no idea. They don't know what it means. They, they're totally uncreative. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. Right, right. Um, we talked a little bit about this before, right? They literally raise the bar um on all of their commodity consumption yeah so they you have, have a house now they, get a bigger house you have a car get a better car and, you, and the worst part about it is you don't even get the sense of like if you if you were from a small town and you became rich through something and you could actually be the rich person in that town mm -hmm. like build a big mansion help the poor have largesse throw big parties like, yeah you could do that. That could be part of your life. 
Instead, they all move to these gated communities where everyone else is as rich as them. And then it's all envy because it's like, oh, well, I, I moved to big house, big car world. And now my big house and big car are just like the little house, little car I had when I lived in little house, little car world. <laughs> it's like, bro, like if you want to be if like you actually want to be rich, why don't you want to enjoy it? Yeah. And, and I, I, I think we don't even have the conception that it could be a role rather than a like like the way we talk about it is like, oh, if you were the rich person amongst other people, then you would be guilty and they would be angry at you and it would just be like, yeah, this is a great point. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you're, if you're just one of the many who are all kind of around your same wealth class, right. then where's the obligation or where's, the, where's the, even the opportunities to think creatively about how to blow your money? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the ideas these people come up with is like, I, I will donate my money to feeding America. Okay. <laughs> well that was pretty much jeff bezos's idea i mean he likes it you know he sent out this tweet he's like i don't know how to give away my money people help me i don't i don't understand well, we'll do a podcast on that yeah, too. well what he needs is magnificence he does need okay, magnificence. so let's get back to the virtue so what is magnificence magnificence is a virtue yeah. specifically designed for a wealthy person to be able to spend an extraordinary amount of money large amounts yeah for the sake of his community, to change, to actually adjust the ways in which people live. And I think Aquinas, after. I think Aquinas says specifically that it is a large sum dedicated for a great work. Yeah, that's, that's the right. terminology he yep. uses. And Aristotle says, and Aristotle's conception is different, it, I, but obviously that's boring, so we're not going to talk about it. But what he says is that that the the great expense should f be appropriate to be fitting for the great work, yeah. and the great work should should actually only be able to come about through a great expense. Yeah. yeah. So there's kind of these, this give and takes. And so therefore, like the only, if you only got $200 in your savings account, you, you just don't have the, you might have the potential in your soul to be a magnificent man, right? but there's just no way that you're actually ever going to be able to actualize it. Yeah. So yeah. great works, raising cathedrals, uh, digging canals, beautifying entire cities. Yep. Um, what else? Those are the three things I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, this, I'm not a magnificent man, so I don't habitually <laughs> think of great works. Uh, well, I mean, in some ways, starting employee-owned companies is is such a way where sure. it's not – we'll kind of talk about that later because I think the big thing that people today say is if you have a lot of money, well, then it's your job to, to start or to create more jobs. Yeah. But that's just – I mean, you think about that, putting it back into – like medieval times, if you're a king yeah. and you're just creating jobs, yeah. then that means that you're getting more servants. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. People, billionaire, millionaires, billionaires today start companies. Yep. They own the company, the, the, the controlling majority of that company, which means that they get the majority of the profits of the company. Um, and people work for them to be able to get a disproportionate amount of gain. Uh, yep. So that's exactly what happens. Well, that is, it's yeah. literally you're getting, you're really creating servants and you're treating the servants well, don't get me wrong, but so that right. you might become wealthier. You're, you're creating yourself out to be a king and that's not the goal here. Magnificence is separation for the benefit of others. And, and really when you're, you know, when you... So what are what are ideas of how to be magnificent? I really think that you know being able to to restore dilapidated churches is a big thing that people could be doing today. 
founding monasteries is totally something every every wealthy person in the world should be doing right now. Uh, it's it's the center and the heart of every city, or it should be. Yeah, you know, medieval cities were surrounded around the monasteries. Or like in a in a huge way, um, Chesterton described when in his outline of sanity, he sort of described a distributist manifesto where he was basically saying we need to restore common land. It's gonna. Uh, no, no, no. This works. Okay, That's I'll, a good example. I'll, I'll try to keep it yeah, short. Yeah. But basically, like he had this problem that we only ever consider property. Um, in a liberal society as being either private or public, where private, the only difference between it being that public means state owned and private means like an individual owns it. Um, but in the end, it's just different individuals that own everything. So everything is owned. He says what's missing is the commons. What's missing is common land um, that has a community ownership. So the, who owns it? The people own it, um, which is a different form of property that we don't really have in America, except for in weird cases. Um, and his point was that without a common land, you can't really have the restoration of a Christian society um, because you are dealing with an essentially pagan form of ownership where ownership is not orientated towards that universal destination of goods, um, where we're not learning that um, ownership property is for everyone mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. orientated towards mm -hmm. the common good. Um, so his advice to the very wealthy was to give away land to peasants. Yeah. So he talks about this in a romantic way and we have this, it's, it's horrible really. We associate peasantry with like people that are full of like mud and like carrots. They only wear brown <laughs> all the time. Right. But, yeah. but his basic point was that they have some small scale ownership. Yeah. Right. As they're producing for their families as a community. They have real access to productive property. And that productive property isn't necessarily privately owned. Something right. they don't have any private ownership is that they also participate in the commons. Okay, so we have a, we have a growing list. Found cathedrals, yeah. restore churches. Buy land and give it away as commons. Yep. Yeah. Do things like this. Set off fireworks. Okay, I want to talk about that. Oh, wait, before <laughs> first. Actually, let's... We passed by this, but but you, you were saying that job creation... Mm-hmm is not magnificent. No. And, and I want to, because whenever you're defining a virtue, I think, or really defining anything, really helps to show uh, a kind of negative light. So, okay, this is what it's not, this is what it's not, and that helps you kind of see what it is. Yeah. Now, the reason that job creation is not magnificent, right? I'm not even saying it's bad in any given case. It's just that, imagine if you will, well, what it makes it dependent, right? So, you're you create jobs insofar as those jobs continue to make you money. If the jobs cease to make you money, then the jobs go away. I mean, this is what it means for it to be a job as opposed to a definite work that you're separated from. So for instance, like here in the Ohio Valley, it's like, yeah, whenever a mill opens up, everyone says we're bringing jobs and that's <laughs> what motivates the people, all the newspapers, you know, new jobs coming to the Ohio Valley, everyone's pumped. And, people who have a lot of money and the capacity to be magnificent, right? They enter into the spirit of magnificence. Here I am, the job creator, right? right? We are the job creating company. And then 20 years, once the mill is defunct, then they leave. And then everyone, the newspapers, everything else, have the opposite relationship to yeah. the same people. Namely, that he who provided the jobs is now taking the jobs away. But the point is that really it's a false image of God, namely someone who gives and and then takes rather than someone who really gives. Yep. Um, I mean, just compare that to the parable of the talents, sure. for instance, where the king 
you know, gives his, or rather the nobleman gives his, his talents to all of his servants, yeah. leaves, goes, gets coronated as king. Yep. You can't make that into a verb. Anyways, he becomes a king. He goes back and instead of saying, give me back what, what I gave you with the increase that you, you have from it, he says, keep that. And here's some more. Yeah. You know, that's a magnificent man. Totally. Yeah. And, and with jobs, um, what you get is someone pretending to be magnificent um, by always being needy. And this is, this is mm. the important part. Mm -hmm. They never actually appear rich because they're always dependent on the things that they're giving that, that the jobs in this case that they're creating. So trying to imagine this, like when I, when I used to think of wealth and wealthiness, it was yeah, all, this is, this is perfect point. You never actually give anything away, right? You, you create something for yourself that you're then dependent on, namely a company. If right. you create the company, that's part of your overall portfolio. Exactly. It's part of your wealth. That's yeah. part of the, that's the way that you get wealth. Mm -hmm. It's so, like the way that you yourself are buoyed up financially. Exactly. So you become yeah. like the middle class just with larger numbers in the sense of mm -hmm. you you mm -hmm. never step into the role, into the vocation, into the duties of being wealthy, right? You just have the same kind of, I have this thing that's productive that accrues me money by which I survive. That's the same structure that you're in. It's just you're, way, you're making way too much for it. And so people can justly point out like, what the hell are you doing with all that money? Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> uh, and you don't have a good answer because all you can say is I'm making jobs, even though you know that that profit isn't all going back into jobs. Right. But, right. but this is my point is that when I was when I was a kid, I used to think of money in or, or wealth in terms of kings and like lords because I was just reading those books. Um, and maybe one way to think about this to get to get this idea across is to imagine a king who says, uh, I have this wealth and in my magnificence, I'm going to build a castle, a <laughs> massive castle. We would all be like, yes, well done, king. Now, insofar as the castle continues to accrue wealth, then the castle will remain. But when it doesn't, then the castle will crumble. And then we'd be like... All right, all right. <laughs> but that's exactly what, <laughs> what does our that wealthy, even mean? Yeah. I know it doesn't make sense when you think about yeah. castles, but it's exactly what the wealthy are saying. They yeah. want applause for creating jobs, but what they mean is I want more money. Yeah. The the And if it doesn't work out, then sorry for all of yeah, you. Yeah, it sucks for yeah. you. To the point that like large swaths of America have been built on the promise of jobs, like literal towns built around factories that have created communities and grocery stores. And then once those ventures left because yeah. it wasn't in the interest of the wealthy yeah. anymore those towns remain those people remain and they suffered i knew a very impressive uh investor just kind of tweeted it out he says you know everybody's going leaving california all of these all these big companies are I mean, you just you just you just name them oreo or what's it, uh tesla's left um oreo's left i mean you have just this kind of exodus from from uh, California, but everybody's leaving for Seattle, for Denver, for Austin, to already wealthy cities. So this guy was praising this one company for leaving California and going to Toledo, nice. because because we're really hurting over here in Ohio. And he says, look look at how good this. this I mean, that's really impressive. We're going to turn America around. We got to go to these places, but our taxes are unbelievably high here in Ohio. They might fail. The guy might want to go somewhere else eventually. The company might just fold and then we're we're left with nothing in a certain sense. So yeah. it doesn't actually magnificence is not not achieved because he's not separating from his from his money. Mm -hmm. But he's it's also not achieved because he's not booing up anybody with with any sense of of permanence 
um, or really without real gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the real point yeah. is that if you're not separating, then there's no gift being given. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so, so this is, and so the, the two vices that St. Thomas says are in contradistinction to the virtue of magnificence are meanness, mm. which I just love that like being mean is actually like a real vice that has a dynamic meaning and everything like that. Um, meanness and banasia, which means wastefulness, but banasia is more fun to say. So we're going to say banasia. Yeah. On I'm on it. Yeah. I won't let you down. <laughs> I say it every time. And so there's, there has to be for the, for the wealthy person, there's, you can't be mean. You can't hold back your wealth from people. I mean, St. John Chrysostom and St. Basil, I mean, they have these amazing homilies against the, the mean, uh, the mean Christian who says, you know, once I die, you know, I'm going to give away everything that I have. You know, I'm going to save, I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm comfortable. And for the, the entirety of my life, maybe I'll give some things away to my kids. Maybe, maybe I'll just give it all away. And, and they say, you're going straight to hell. You're just going straight to hell. And they, these are saints. I mean, these guys, and they're just, and, and you know, you kind of keep going through the line, St. Augustine, uh, uh, St. Gregory. I mean, these, everybody says the same thing. Yeah. Like it is, it is not a controversial fact no, for, for the patristics, <laughs> for the patristics at all. I mean, the church fathers are really clear on this. And, and because what they are most interested in is not the system of the economy at large. Just the, the material fact of people being taken care of. That's important. No, don't get us wrong. But the idea that that wealthy person's soul is on the line. And if they if they die, I mean, St. John Chrysostom is hilarious. He says, you know, what, you're going to give everything away when you die? Of course you're going to give everything away when you die. You, you're dead. You have to give it away. There's no way you can keep it. Mm-hmm. You know. And St. Augustine turns around and he says, if you do want to keep it, then you give everything away and, and actually have a savings account in heaven. Trust me, the accounts are good. The bank is sure. There is the, the the person who's who's watching over it, who's the manager of the bank. That's Jesus Christ Himself. Yeah. He in this you know the letter of Hebrew says like God will not be so unjust. Oh man, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have to have a conversation on this, but the concept of merit, right? The idea that there is. I mean, it's so profound, but that when you give away money, mm-hmm. wealth for a good work, that you accrue merit in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like radioactive goo to Protestants, right? They don't want to touch it with a 20-foot pole, much less a 10-foot pole. Uh, <laughs> but it is like the lack of that doctrine is absolutely crippling to a just economy That's and right. absolutely like steroids to a capitalist economy mm-hmm. because the moment mm-hmm. that because it is not the case that we have no desire for profit i mean sometimes you can hear sort of post-liberal visions and think that what we're saying is like oh we can just get over the profit motive we can just like not want to accumulate not mm-hmm. want to compete mm-hmm. not want to succeed mm-hmm. not want to be entrepreneurs just to like just kill all that in us, be satisfied with just enough for our office, live humble lives. And it's like, yeah, some people need to do that. <laughs> but those things are real. Yeah. That those drives are real. Mm-hmm. That like that insatiable desire is real. Mm-hmm. But its orientation cannot be to money itself. It has got to be to eternal life. 
That's right. right? Yeah. We have like the whole point of the Christian, not the whole point. What Christianity does is it turns that towards its proper object. It turns it towards God. It says you yeah. want to accumulate more and more, accumulate graces in heaven. Yeah. Right. You want to influence more and more people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Save more souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it actually links it to eternity. And the idea that you're going to have some kind of like, like theoretical Christian economy that doesn't actually have holiness and faith and doesn't actually desire to merit. I mean, it, it's, well, it hasn't happened yet. I'll say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a longer conversation. So, so we have magnificence, which is the capacity to separate yourself from a large sum for a great work. It's not meanness, right? Which is that stinginess, which sometimes is very obvious people that are just right. like, screw you. I'm not giving you money. Mm-hmm. But it also has its other form in things that look like giving that aren't, yep. aka job creation. That's right. Or my favorite, like we donate to a nonprofit, which we also own. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and or or better yet, we donate all our profits to charity, and then we write that off our taxes. So we end up with more money than if we had not given our profits to charity. It's like, yeah, that's magnificent. <laughs> okay, so that's meanness. So waste. Uh, yeah, Benassia. Benassia. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that was close. Because wastefulness just sounds lame. Yeah. But but Benassia actually, I mean, it, the word is evocative in, in many ways. But if you think about, you know, like some of these guys that go off to Ibiza, not Ibiza. Don't don't listen to these all these rappers that, that think that they know what they're Barcelona. talking about. Barcelona. <laughs> that uh, and and they literally will spend a hundred thousand dollars plus a day. I mean, I heard a story, I mean, from many stories, but like, yeah, a buddy's friends, you know, went off there and literally spent a million dollars every day. Really? Yeah. Who are your friends? <laughs> Why are they not donating to New Poly? <laughs> well, some of them are, but the, yeah, uh, but the idea is that that is a huge sum and it was probably an awesome party i wasn't there i wasn't invited kind of felt left out it's okay it's because of the way you dance (laughs) i've seen it (laughs) part of being rich is being cool and um, Uh, yeah i have not achieved it yeah you have to look gloomily into distances more often (laughs) see (laughs) anyway so you weren't invited i wasn't invited these are probably rocking parties but obviously that's an extraordinary amount of money that could go to a whole host of amazing things. Yeah. I mean, we were we were talking yesterday. There's this. Let's spoil it. Can we spoil the trade school idea? Yeah, I mean, I don't know when we're gonna put this out, but okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, any of you that are listening, we we have this awesome idea for a trade school that we, that we want to start, and it will enable kids to be able to get their degrees in the in the humanities and the Catholic liberal arts. So they can nourish their soul, but obviously these kids can't leave college up to their eyeballs in debt. So, I mean, in any university that's doing that to kids right now, I just think has, you know, tarnish on their souls. Anathema. Anathema, indeed. And so we need to ensure that they actually have a job as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the the humanities are not for getting a job. You don't go to school to study Latin in order to become a banker. But you, you study these things so that, you might understand what life truly is and how you can make it more human. But you don't want to do that for thirty thousand plus dollars in debt. Oh, absolutely, yeah. or thirty thousand dollars a year. I mean, goodness oh, gracious! But you speed see, you need pitch, a job. Speed up the pitch. We got to go. Anyways, point is, point is, big trade school. You get a trade graduate school. graduate without debt. 
financially net positive even. Wow. Amazing. Takes $8 million to do that. So this guy's one week vacation in Ibiza yeah. could have paid for this whole trade school thing. Oh. And how many more wow. ideas are out there? At least three. At least three. That's right. Now, <laughs> okay, so I think we've narrowed in on it. Now, one thing that I like to point out from this is that magnificence is it has a healing kind of property to it for a society. Mm -hmm. So to avoid meanness and wastefulness. And it does seem to me that in the tradition, if you're going to err, it seems better to err on the side of wastefulness. And this that, is something we talked about something with liberality. Thomas, yeah, absolutely. Thomas Bruce says this you know, explicitly. Right. If you're going to be like, it's better to be the prodigal son in mm -hmm. a way than to mm -hmm. be Ebenezer Scrooge. Totally. Both have their redemption coming for them like a murder train. Mm. And they're just tied to the tracks waiting on the Lord. But <laughs> it's a lot harder um, to come back from the meanness, from accumulation. And I think there's something spiritual about that in the sense that it's like very deliberately putting one's trust in money to save. Yeah. Whereas wastefulness, even though it is obscene and it is a sin of omission because mm -hmm, there's so mm -hmm. much more that can be done with it, at least uses money for what it's for spending yeah, yeah. right treating it for something exactly and it puts real. like it puts the prodigal or it puts the wasteful one in into a relationship where he can conceivably recognize that god is that good for which he he like there's no sum that can buy yeah right yeah. like because in the end money isn't really saving him it's it's more the distractions of of worldly pleasures and such mm -hmm. which is you know the great gloomy aristocratic sort of novels of British literature seem to be a lot of rich people finding God. A lot of that going on. Yeah. Well, but compare this to the pagan world where people wanted and were actually legally prohibited from spending large sums on their communities. This is like literally like a, a max. Like you could only spend this much every year really? on your circuses or on mm. your parties or on your – in Greece, actually, they did it by lottery. This was called the liturgia. So this was a, a tax that people were privileged to pay. So – and it would either go for uh, putting on place for their great festival of their god mm -hmm. uh, or for building triremes, which were warships. So – in either case, it was it was this great work. And the reason why people wanted to do it is because they knew once you give a gift to somebody, then they love you. And so their money, the money's not loving them. They want people to love them. So they wanted to give gifts every year. The government said, no, only you and you can give big gifts this year. Or, uh, or, or in Rome, in the Roman system, it was like, you can give the big gift, but only you know, this certain wow. amount. So and so people would come to the Senate yeah. and say, no, let me give more. Let me give more. Yeah. Because that would win people over. And the reason why the government didn't want people to do that is because, well, the those wealthy individuals could win over the affection of the entire the community and then be a rival rival authority. Yeah, yeah. To the so, so that was a point. But how different, like they yeah. actually understood like an aspect, a better aspect of what money's for is actually to bless people. Yeah. But of course, the free gift has to be is is what defines Christian gifts. Sure. And so and, you don't even you don't even necessarily look for that power over people in Christianity. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, if anything, you're just expanding your care of their souls if you're doing it right. Yeah. But can you imagine like Zuckerberg approaching the Senate, like, dear God, let me give more money. <laughs> 
I, well, it's so funny because these people, they complain about not knowing what to do with it and how they're making so much and how tough it is. And it's like, I bet there's a lot of people that could help you figure out that tricky question. <laughs> and that's what, exactly what we're going to do in, in the next, the next podcast. podcast. What I want to talk about, though, is fireworks. We yeah, we got yeah. to mention this, fireworks. Cover yeah. this. Magnificence is healing because accumulation of wealth, like the lack of spending, when it just sits, it's bad. It creates envy. Um, it creates a kind of sickness of soul. It creates idolatry. It creates a bad relationship between um, different members of society in the sense of um, it, it makes some men have power over other men by literally withholding the goods of the earth from them um, and then dishing it out here and there. It's a bad thing. And most um, economies have recognized this to some extent. There's a paper that I really like. I don't usually cite papers because they have bad titles. But this one is called uh, Peasant Economies and the Image of the Limited Good. Maybe it's Peasant Societies. But it's a paper, I think it was written in the 70s. And it's an anthropological paper that was basically looking at this commonality between pre-capitalist economies. And what it was showing was that they all seemed to deal with accumulation in the same way. And one of the examples he used was in Mexican peasant economies prior to capitalist development. Um, where There's scarecrows around that for all of those who are just listening. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where um, there, if say you won the lottery, okay, or say you just came upon some kind of windfall, right? And you were psyched. You have a yep. bunch of money. You go home. What is going to happen by custom, right? is you're going to get a knock on your door. <laughs> you're going to open the door and your people, right? The guys of your community. Oh, wow. boy. Oh, my oh, gosh. I was getting on a roll, too. I know. That's better just, be your mom. It was my mom. Oh, awesome. The guys of your community will be outside your door, and they'll be looking at you. There'll be this moment of silence. You'll look at them. They'll look at you, and they'll say, so when's the party happening? <laughs> and you, by custom and at risk of great shame and social isolation, will have to say, we're partying tonight, boys. <laughs> and they, right, in the full spirit of tradition, will have to say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> How many fireworks? And then they're going to all look at you. And you're going, and this is like, this is like the kind of, your honor on the line are going to say a lot of fireworks. <laughs> All right. And then everyone's going to nod and they're going to nod in this way that says like the gods are appeased. The community is at peace. All is well with the world. Oh, it's beautiful. And you're going to do it. You're going to throw a massive party and literally blow literally up your blow up your money <laughs> for the sake of everyone else. Now, of course, this could be wasteful, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever. You can critique the peasants. I think they're having way more fun than us. But the, the, the point is that there is a recognition deep in the heart of a society that accumulation has got to go and it has to be used up in a way that's for everyone. And if that's a massive festival, right, then that's great. That's what you do. And, and, and he used a lot of different examples, but that's just the one I remember because I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, but even this was in the medievals, this wassailing, this idea of wassailing. Yeah. So tell us about wassailing. Wassailing is great. So you, you you know it from the song "Merry Christmas," by the way. You know it from the song. <laughs> um, here we go, wassailing. That's one. That one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's often thought of as being a wandering because we don't know what wassailing means, but it was basically a tradition 
um, in which poor people would, uh, it was like the original caroling. Um, you would go to a wealthy person's house and demand money and food. But you would demand it in a way where that was slightly indirect. I mean, you're there for money and for food, but you're singing them songs. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really beautiful because it's, it's, uh, it's almost like a light mockery of exchange. Yeah. And I think that's is. what Christianity brings to the world is like this mockery of exchange where it's like, because Christ came, we know that what wealth is for is for others. So when you identify yourself as being those others, mm -hmm. right? I am not wealthy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I have, maybe I have the means for material survival, maybe I have a little more mm -hmm. productivity, but that's it. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm really a beggar. When you identify yourself, then you understand that you now have a right. You have a claim of love against the wealth of the, of the rich. Yeah. And this is a claim that comes from the they, fact... They, the wealthy ought to love you more than their money. Exactly. Yeah. They ought yeah. to love you as, yeah. as their neighbor. Yeah. And this comes from the fact that Christianity reveals that the goods of this earth are for all. Yeah. And so for the wealthy to be in this tricky position of having more of those goods than others is simply the prerequisite condition for them giving it away. And so what the poor do when they sing a song at your doorstep and expect money is they they lay claim to it mm -hmm. right and they do it in a means like this is just how like culture is just the softening of justice in some ways like making it palatable for people <laughs> and when the poor are singing you a song it's like okay i will give Right, but really, it's a demand of justice. You can't not give. But it's money. jolly. It's yeah. It's, there's well, like a friv friv frivolity to it in but, a but certain I, sense. There but. is, but I think once there's a recognition of justice and duty, then you can really have joy in giving. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, yeah, thank you for coming, so I can be the person God yeah. called me to be. And similarly, the it's poor a can gift say, lubricant. "Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's not going to make the T-shirt. So. <laughs> It just it sweetens. How about, it sweetens. Yeah, it sweetens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's we're so far off that right because you know we talk about millennials being entitled. Yeah, right? you hear this a yeah. lot. Like oh, they just they you know th this is like the critique of the new socialism or what passes for socialism, which is like oh, they just want you know stuff. They want they want more money. They don't want to yeah. work hard, mm -hmm. etc. Um, and I think it, that that's true in some cases. I've definitely met some entitled people. Um, but I think what's missing is the idea that there is real entitlement. Like to not own mm -hmm. is to be entitled to the fruits of those who do own. Right. And yeah. we have lost all sense of this being a genuine Christian understanding because we've lost the sense of the world being given to all of us. Right. Our premise. Yeah seems to be that the world is up for competition. And so those who work hard will win more. But that's just to say we're not a family. That's to say we're all enemies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's tough. It's tough to imagine a world in which genuine caroling, right, and genuine firework parties are possible. <laughs> but when you describe it, it does seem like more fun. Than, oh, gee whiz. It'd just than be, just, it'd can be you imagine blast. how boring it is? It would be a blast. <laughs> Like what a boring world. They're like, okay, we have all this money and we've created jobs and, <laughs> and we have invested the rest in debts. It really like, just sounds like a machine. Yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. boring. It's super boring. A yeah. world without magnificence yeah. is boring. Well, it's just Netflix becomes the only great form of entertainment.
I mean, that is boring. That's a good point. No, I mean, yeah. that's something we haven't even discussed. Like, yeah, public arts comp- down the drain. Complete- completely rely on people being magnificent well it's so interesting too is because whenever you look i mean we've kind of looked around at this because we live in a dilapidated town but revitalization usually happens through the arts why how is that because somebody decides to be magnificent to put these shows on and then as soon as the community is stable because people have come in for the art so they've created businesses around it and and thus there's some sort of economic stability that that results from it, then the arts disappear. People stop being magnificent. And it's just, it's just absolutely boring afterwards. And so we're, we don't want people to do that to our town. Totally. I mean, I'm, I get like the, the evils of like Rockefeller and, and Carnegie and such, (laughs) but man, if you're going to do it, it, like if you're going to believe the the gospel of wealth, all that crap, you know, at least they made stuff. No, I'm serious. Like, at least they made libraries and opera houses and museums. Yeah. And like, okay, yeah, I get it that it's a little bit cynical and that there was a certain, like, guilt and blah, blah, blah. I would rather that than what we have now because what totally. do we have now? Let's yeah. talk about let's talk about our rich. We've got we've got the top 400. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll save this for the okay, next is one. That for yeah, the next yeah, one? yeah, we'll save it next time. All right. But well, we're going to talk about you top 400. We're coming for your money. We're coming for your money. Now, just to close off, because we've got just a minute here, let's make sure we got the virtue theory right. Okay. You can, no matter what, have a certain readiness for magnificence, right? Mm-hmm. But you cannot be magnificent. You cannot activate that power within you, except for having a large sum. So it might seem like the practical advice is, you know, and we're not necessarily talking about millions here. No, no, no. I, you know, especially you because tens of it's thousands, totally, you're there, and it's a relative yeah. scale, right? Because mm-hmm. the community whom you gift, yep. has different needs. Exactly. Like honestly, a ten thousand dollar gift is magnificent in Rustbelt, Ohio. Yeah. Right. Even mm-hmm. if it's not in where, Red Richford. Redmond. Yeah. In Redmond, it's not. Red, Red yeah. money. What is it? Redmond. Red money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's that, but you might be thinking, okay, so if I'm really like me, like, like maybe I've got 20 bucks to spend. All right. I need to sort of prepare myself for uh, magnificence somehow. Forget that. Don't do that. Don't worry about that. Be good. Okay. And then when you get, when you're suddenly and quickly blessed, as God says, with, with a large sum, you'll know how to spend it. But instead consider that sort of other side of the coin of magnificence, which is that there is an entitlement of the wealthy in your community to give. What I mean is I think your power as a poor person, right, is much more in making that obligation known to the wealthy in terms of magnificence. That is, that's where your power lies, right? It doesn't lie in this sort of theoretical readiness for a million dollars. This is what Steinbeck said about Americans, that every one of them is a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. And I think kind of going around with this thought of like, well, what I would do with a million dollars misses the point. You're not an individual. You're part of a community. Your community already has a million dollars to spend and it's in that guy's pocket, right? (laughs) So go to him, right? Figure out ways to ask the rich to give money. Talk to your parish priest about what your church needs, Mm -hmm. right? And ask him who are the six wealthiest contributors to this church because he knows them. Yeah. Oh, he knows them all right. Right. And he knows they can fix the windows like that, right? Redo the organ, whatever it is. 
you got to do your part. You can't be yeah. just an, a basic entitled millennial who's just lazy and sits on his plush beanbag. Right, thing you have all to day. be a woke entitled. You got to be a woke entitled millennial, exactly. <laughs> Full of the tradition of the church and ready to sing outside of rich people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, busting your butt yourself. Yeah. So let us know how it goes. If you can either inspire an act of magnificence or do an act of magnificence yourself, we would love to talk about it um, because. It's it rules. It's it super fun. Super fun. And I want the. I think we all want the world to be fun and not boring. <laughs> Here's to that. that. Yeah. Hey. Uh, thank you for listening to New Polities Podcast. Subscribe to our stuff. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>